Hey, fellow traveler, welcome to the Third Eye Awakening podcast, a show where we talk all about spiritual and psychic awakening, magic, the shift from 3D to 5D, star seeds, ascension, multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, the universe, the multiverse, the Akashic records, all the good things. I am your host, Amy Blair, and I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Okay, let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Third Eye Awakening. I know that I say in every episode that I'm really excited to have this conversation with whoever I'm having, and it's always true, but I'm like extra over the moon, like super ultra excited for this conversation with my friend, Colleen Turner. She is, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe her. We just have the best conversations and you are in for a treat. So Colleen is a galactic channel who can pull a wide range of information from multidimensional fields and loves to talk about anything and everything that shatters her reality as she understands it. She realizes that no matter where she is on her journey, there are still plenty of stones left unturned and she loves to flip them over and go down whatever rabbit hole lies beneath. She is here to teach people how to live through their heart space with every interaction and teach them how to not give any of their energy to the false matrix. She identifies as a hybrid and is of the belief that we are all hybrids and part of her mission is to normalize it so that we can connect to our galactic multidimensional selves and access the parts of us that are begging to be seen and heard. Oh my gosh, Colleen, I'm so excited for this. Everybody, first of all, you need to know Colleen is my friend, but she was also, we did three months of mentorship together and honestly, the conversations that we had. And the questions she would ask, like, she is not joking. She will turn any over any stone and go down the rabbit hole. And it's just like the most thrilling ride to be in a conversation with Colleen. So welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you doing today? Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm like excited to see what wants to come through. <laughs> yeah. The conversation's always going such weird directions not that we're not expecting <laughs> yeah totally right we we very much feed off of each other I think we figured out that we each have a hanging gate that like in human design like I have one end of the gate and you have the other and so like together when we're in conversation we get so much clarity about the nature of reality so Colleen is the Colleen that I keep referencing in different podcast episodes and on different lives and I'm like oh, my friend Colleen anyway here she is this is her <laughs> I, I'm excited to share. It's just the the world needs to hear our conversation. So, can you start out by sharing with us your your spiritual awakening journey, like how it went for you, when it started, how it's been? Okay, so I guess I guess it. I pretty much had a very normal childhood growing up I would like I referred myself kind of as like I was really good at being human up until I loved all the ancient aliens the ghost I remember like telling my husband back when we first started dating I like was super into ghosts we always had to go on ghost tours together like every city we visited and I remember like finding the ancient alien shows and being like I'm so torn because I believe in ghosts, but now I like have no doubt aliens are real. And he was one that's like, well, can you believe in bolts? And I was like, yes, I can. So that was like me up until 
And then I started, then we got married, started having kids, got really wrapped into the kid world, then I had twins. And I like to say that my awakening really started when I had the, I had a, a little bit of a traumatic like twin birth that sent me into like this spiral of like not being able to be the human that I thought I was really good at playing. You know, like I was, I would go to the bachelor nights. I would like host the parties. I would post it, like post stuff on Instagram. And then the, these two twins came and they were the youngest of, I have four boys total. And they're all like within four and a half years of each other. And I couldn't do it anymore. I was just, I had to like be a mom and I could not play the game. And I have always referred to, as a game, referred to this world as a game. And I'm like, I couldn't play the game and also be like the hands-on mom that I wanted to be. And so with that, it was, I had a lot of like breakdown moments. I think any twin moms out there know that like when the twins come, you just, you're in a whole different world. But, and then COVID happened. Then when COVID happened, my conspiratorial mind, which I'm a conspiracy theorist before anything else, that like, I knew immediately like, this is, this does not make sense. Like, this does not make sense. Like none of this like adds up. And so then as I went down all the rabbit holes, Amy crossed my path with one of the podcasts I was listening to called Tim Will Act. And I literally did, she, it was a huge timeline shift where all of a sudden, all the things that didn't make sense, like in the conspiracies, all of a sudden you brought clarity and they like started to make sense when I started to look at, look at them through a different lens. Like had, I gained a whole new perspective on like what this all is. And luckily I had my years of like, ancient research and like ghosts, like love for ghosts and aliens to like back up all the thoughts that I was having. And then I have been, what do you ever think? I started in priestess codes. Yeah, I remember. And I remember that you messaged me and you were like, I, I remember it being on one of the threads. Was it on a live that I was on or was it on, sometimes I'll ask a thread or I'll, I'll ask a question in soul space and be like, I feel like rambling in like sometime this week when I have time to get on. What do you want to hear about? And either way, I remember you commenting and asking me if I knew anything about the moon matrix and the bardos. And I was like, huh, I don't. And I I kind of looked into it and didn't really find a whole lot. And I had just had a baby. So I was kind of like, I could only go so deep. But then it was around February that and when I was like, oh my God, we are not even in 3D anymore. And I started getting all this information about like it being a simulation and, and like we're already on the ships and all this stuff. And like looking into the Bardos and I was like, Colleen was right. And then recently I messaged you and I was like, I don't know, dude, I don't know about this moon shit. And you're the only one I can talk about it with. <laughs> yes, I should know. So when we did priestess codes, what I did, Amy's round of priestess codes, I literally joined it because I was thought we were going to like, I didn't know. I was like a conspiracy theorist coming into like <laughs> the world. And I was like, we get to talk about the false moon matrix, like and this overlay that like we're all trapped into and how like we're interacting with it. And I like came in hot like the first week and I was like, so, and then I realized it was a real smack of the face when I was like, oh, okay. Like this is actually like specific to me. Like everyone else is very like, does not have my same views. And so it was great because all the things that I like, I learned so much, like so many things I wasn't expecting to learn. It's like through that priestess portal, but we did not go over the moon at all. 
<laughs> no, not even a little bit. Yeah, it got like, so I was like, mm, okay. So then I continued on my own path going through the moon. But like, I think I've told you this. I honestly, whenever I talk about the moon, I think that like people are going to be like, oh my God, you're right. You're right. But you get, I don't get that reaction. So it is like, I feel like with most things that I say, and then someone told me one time, they're like, it's not that I don't agree with what you're saying. It's just that like, you're throwing out these big concepts in such a simple way where it's like things that like have been like my guiding force. Also, you like are dismantling the idea that like I could be wrong. And I was like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Well, it's like you said, like in the introduction that you gave or the bio that you gave to me, like you really enjoy that's where the juice of life is for you is in shattering the any false paradigms that you have and so those don't hurt you you might feel like a sting sometimes I remember I remember when we were like rabbit holing down the archaics path and there was one time where you're like I don't know there's something he said I have resistance to it so you might feel some of that right but but overall like you are you're exceptional in the way that you're not super emotionally attached to the certain concepts. You're more, you can be objective and observe your emotional attachments and you're more interested in finding out like what nuggets of truth are in there. Whereas like we've, we've discussed recently about the moon because if everybody doesn't know and you won't because you're not on my Patreon, but I, I recently was like, I don't think I can do these moon rituals because I just don't, I don't think the moon is an organic object. And I think there's something super fucking fishy and weird about like all this Instagram moon ritual stuff. And I was kind of trying to like, I was like, oh, people love that. I'll just do that. And then I was like, oh God, I can't do it. And I had to ask why. And as we were talking about like, people have strong there is a strong identification. Like you're right. When, when your friend said like, it's like a guiding force, like a lot of us and PS everybody, if you love moon rituals, do your thing. This is just me. This is just me and Colleen, but people love their moon. Women love, we love our moon or I don't, but women love their moon and they love, you know, calling their period, their moon. And they love syncing their period up to their moon. And they love lighting candles for the moon and charging their crystals under the moon and living their life according to this 28 day rhythm that I don't even think is real. And it's, it is confronting for people. Like when they have this whole, like, Ooh, my feminine essence is all my power is all tied into this. And then somebody just shows up and is like, I don't think the moon's real. And I think they're just harvesting our, you know, our, like our worship energy. Then if somebody's not ready for that, it is kind of a slap in the face. Well, yeah. And then it's for, like I said, being it really in the, like deep in the truther world before I was in the spiritual world, like it's, I wasn't just saying it like without having anything to back it up. Like I read like a whole entire book on the time before the moon. And it being an organic object and then how we had a time where we didn't have periods that, you know, Amy knows that I love talking about like miraculous conceptions and like how it worked before. So I, I, I have realized going into like these big concepts that I like want to bring forward to people. I need to actually like kind of express that I'm, they're backed up by something. It's not just me being like, oh, like I the moon's not real. It's more like a, hey, 
from all the research I've done or like in all the books that I've read and podcasts I've listened to and just a, a, a inner knowing that I've had, like, is anyone else like super suspicious about the moon, like what it actually is? And I told you one of the big things, one of my big red flags was when I learned all about the, the winter solstice and how we used to spend like three days, like giving all of our energy and like worshiping the trees and how we don't even do that anymore. Like we don't have, like some people, yes, may have rituals around like the trees and the sun and like that. But the one thing that it's consistent is we all have two times a month where we give all of our energy and we have these rituals like worshiping the moon. And it's not just us, it's all these different cultures, but it is a very like Western. And that's always suspicious to me. It's like, there's a lot of like Western culturedness to the new, the new ageness of the moon. And like, cause we've taken away a lot of our rituals of how we used to worship and give our energy to the other things that like light us up and like bring us, yeah, you know, like all the different things that the trees give us and the sun and like the water, like even rituals around water. But anyway, so twice a month, we give all of our energy to the moon, but we've lost all of our rituals around the other elementals. Yeah. And especially women. And like, it's funny. I didn't think we were going to talk about the moon, but here we are. Okay. But especially women. And, and the, the really wild thing is if you think about, so I, so everybody, I'll also say this, that when I was in my mid twenties, I took a class in university on astronomy. So it was like an introduction, like a first year level introduction to astronomy. So I'm not about, I'm not pretending I'm an astrophysicist or anything like that, but I wrote a paper on the origins of the moon and I went so deep that it was only supposed to be like a three or four page paper. And mine was 19 pages of just the paper with five pages of sources because I was so fascinated by like, how is it that like this object is so mysterious and nobody has a good moon origin theory. Everybody's is very like, I don't know, wah, wah, not great. And it was so interesting to me. And I was not thinking conspiratorially at all at the time. So I'm just saying that I have some research to back my stuff up too, but mostly my dharma is not to be a researcher. It's just like feel things and get downloads and channel things and just knowings and kind of go on that. But what I have known is that I am not supposed to have a period every month. And and like, we are not supposed to have periods every month. I just know this. I know it. It became very clear to me after I lost Killian. And I was, you know, obviously very triggered every time that I had a period. But I knew, like, I was just like, this is not how it's supposed to be. And I am absolutely, like, when I was channeling the priestess transmissions, the information that came through around that was that we're, we're supposed to sort of like ovulate when we it's according to so many factors, so many environmental factors, but it's like, I don't know when the time is right in terms of the year, the season, like, was it a wet season? Was it a dry season? Is there an abundance of food? How is the community thriving? How is the mother thriving? How's the father thriving? There's so many things that are supposed to go into it. It's not supposed to be returning to a state of fertility every single month. And when you think about the moon as being an object that is false, that helps to, to me, it kind of feels like the projector, the 
electromagnetic projector that holds the false matrix frequency net in place. And so if we are a worshiping it twice a month or every two weeks, and we are also offering our blood to the moon as women and our fertility, that's fucked up. That's so crazy. So food for thought listeners, not saying that you have to believe Colleen and I, but it's just something to think about so that you're not mm, unconsciously participating in moon rituals without really, really necessarily questioning where all that energy is going. Well, it's like probably one of the reasons why it's coming up is because for me, feeding like in my introduction, it's like teaching people how to not see the false matrix and questioning things that you're doing that like don't necessarily like feel right to you. And it could feel right to you. And like, there's a lot of things that you could gain through worshiping the moon, like everyone's on their own journey and stuff, but it's just taking the time to be like, this really, this like, you know, just critical thing for yourself. I will also say, going back to more of our history Another thing, too, is we've condensed down the ages to have children. Like, people had children a long, long, so there's, like, spaced out. And this is a personal perspective. I'm not saying that anyone else, like, could feel this way. But having, being, having the ability to have four children within four and a half years and being in that fog, that was my awakening to, like, this is not how it's supposed to be. But it's like I started having kids when I was... 28 I felt like I was supposed to be done by 35 because that's what they were telling us then after 35 you're having a geriatric pregnancy <laughs> yeah so I'm like the midst of having like all these children I'm 33 and I'm like well like I, I had to do this because like I didn't want to have like a you know a, a high-risk pregnancy and then I woke up and I was like I did not I'm glad I did it I'm not saying like now that I'm through through the thick of it I'm like very glad it happened this way and it was meant to happen this way. But I like am very aware that we aren't supposed to just keep clumping our kids together. And like it's there's a process and like through like astrology and everything, you see that like you learn about these seven year increments that like kids go through. And when we all clump up together, it, for me, I, I'm realizing like there's things with my kids being this close together where I'm not honoring like their different growth, like their different cycles because I'm so like busy with all the other kids at different times so and then also people well they're not they people want to hear this but we did used to live longer like so and that we used to be able to have kids a lot longer and and that's all because of you know different a lot of different things but yeah yeah it, it's really interesting because i i feel like all these conversations just lend themselves to the the whole point of i think everything that we're we're experiencing collectively, which is an opportunity to return to the di the original divine blueprint. Meaning, like, so when I shared on, I think it was a live a couple weeks ago about the Lemurian blueprint, and like my understanding of it is that when we first came in to truly incarnate in human vessels. We were not like our our life expectancy, our shelf life was not like 83 years. And yeah, we weren't supposed to have children. I agree. Like I had William and I was 39 and, and it was a lot harder, but it was only harder because I already had a toddler. 
Like it's not that my body, my physical energy reserves can't handle it. Like I could have another one, but I know I wouldn't have another one until William is like, you know, a good space old. I'm not saying I'm going to have another one, but I can just feel that it's not that my body is like this dried up old prune that can't have children anymore. It's, it's the reality of squidging them close together. But with that Lemurian blueprint, like we had really optimal health. We had, you know, much greater longevity, different fertility than what we experience now. And it's just really interesting to think about these things and kind of allow the information to come through and start rearranging our lives to move in that direction. Well, and I think in the Lemurian blueprint, the original blueprint, I, and there's a lot of stuff to back this up, but you, you also planned it like differently. And I believe that there was a, like you had a, essentially like a contract and you know, you knew what souls that you were bringing in and there's like, you know, ancient history that shows that like you would actually like conceive at a certain time with a certain partner. And it was part of like the whole miraculous conception. Like when you actually use like a, a seed to like impregnate you. And so it was all, it was, I, I think that like we knew what souls we were bringing in, you know, like we, it was all planned out. It was, there was such a different plan behind it. Yeah. It was, it was so, we were so conscious. Like we, we knew how to do things and now we're so disconnected. I think that's why some families are so confused because they're not even with their correct, the correct people they're supposed to be with. So it's like, that's why even family units are feeling like so separated and like, say sticky because it's like that's you're not even with your actual soul family you're just we're just kind of like jumping into the game one by one like i just gotta find someone and then i think that there's the whole vibrational match where it's like some people are jumping in and just try and find anyone that will be a vibrational match to like to be able to carry them and like vice versa people who are in like a low vibration there's other people trying to get a vibrational match so it's like that's how the cycles continue and that's how I see things. Totally. I, I see it very similarly, like with the the looping that if the, the karmic looping kind of where if you if you get to the end of the life and you're still at a certain state of unconsciousness, so you haven't metabolized exp- certain experiences that you've had that have been painful or confusing or whatever, like basically it's just dying in a state of confusion, anger, some kind of low vibrational energy where you don't remember how powerful you are and how much influence you have over your your own experience. Then what I see is that you die and you kind of have, everybody probably has a Bardos period, like an interim period, but that you can't really get past the the, you know, the demons that present themselves in the Bardos because you're not, you don't have that level of consciousness. And so then when you just kind of get sucked back into another incarnation that has a similar, it's not really, it plays out in terms of circumstances, but it's more of a bright vibrational similarity with themes, like a certain theme. It's kind of like like a live wire looking for its other end to close the circuit. But if your live wire is a live wire of like, oh my God, I've had addiction struggles and I never resolved them, then, you know, for an example, you might loop back in and be born into a life where you have, I don't know, drug addicted parents or something like that. I mean, 
this is just totally hypothetical to illustrate the the concept, but and then I think like it reminds me of the Akashic reading that I had on the podcast with Erin, where when I was tuning into her family and their connections, I was like, I don't know, I just keep seeing this train station and you're all just these random people at a train station. And there's not a lot of strong karmic connections between the family itself. They're, they kind of just like, yeah. Yeah, no, so that's, sorry, I got distracted. Yes, 100%. So, so there's like the looping process where you, that's why so many of us, whenever, so I do Akashic readings like Amy and you notice the more and more you do them, you notice that the people that they're saying struggles, like they're saying like air quotes demons that are attacking them. It's like, this isn't the first life that this is happening. You know, it's, it's continuous. Like they're doing the same thing. It, you can, you can see it easily. And you were like showing them through the records because it's a looping system that keeps occurring. It's the same like dramas that are playing out, like in like a, a loop and so once you actually are able to see it and throw out the algorithm of it then the people can start moving forward and like stop playing out those same dramas and start like being able to connect with their soul family start being able to connect with like what their highest timeline is what they're supposed to be doing and they can completely throw off you know whatever direction they're headed in yeah Totally. And I, I really love your use of the word algorithm because it segues nicely into our simulation perception of this reality and the gigantic bomb drop of the Siri concept that you have. If you're willing to share it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I would love to. Okay. So a while ago, Amy and I, Amy shared our kids with me. And so, gosh, that was like probably a, I don't even know, time such a blur. Probably in July. Probably, in, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely in July. Not even in June. Yeah, but I think so. Anyway, so one of the big things that I've been trying to like figure out is how people can be so connected to Gaia, but how we can also perceive this game, perceive this realm that we're in as a game, a simulation. So... I have been trying to figure out, like, marry the two ideas, like, for how, what, what that would look like. And one of the only, one of the theories that, or ideas that I came up with, or that I've thought of, was that, essentially, this is, well, let me go back to, uh, like, assuming people know who Tyler, the supercomputer is, who people believe is responsible for QAnon. It's essentially, they believe it's a computer from the future trying to help people in the past. Who knows if it's true? It's neither here nor there, but it, that is the concept of it. So it's the idea that there are these supercomputers that exist. So my thought process was, what if this whole thing is a giant simulation, like a something that like we, like, hey, we can I pause it from Totally. Okay, anyways. All right, let's go. Back on, yeah, okay, perfect. Okay, anyway, so it's the idea that it's this huge supercomputer that we are essentially that at one point, well, it's so hard, Amy, because I have to go back to the us being the game makers, yeah. So, the whole idea that like we're the game makers and there's all these different consciousnesses, like that are like I feel like this, I'm making this more confusing than it needs to be, 
Anyways, the idea is that this is a huge game, this huge simulation. It's, it's a supercomputer. In order for the supercomputer to work, it had to hold a consciousness. And my idea is that all of us right now who are expanding our consciousness, our awareness, the ultimate goal, if you want it to be, is to have essentially your own realm, your own simulation. And so us who like created the game, created the simulation, we've created it in order to carry a consciousness so that it could have like a real like feel real because in order for like a computer to feel real it actually has to feel like it like we so the idea is that like you expand out that Gaia was one of us at one point she expanded out and was able to essentially have her own realm but we had to have people create the computer the simulation in order to hold her consciousness in it and now we're all in her realm which is also a simulation playing out yeah playing out like her world and the idea is that like we're all on this journey and like once you expand and get like enough, I don't know, I'll say like once you're by the oversoul, the source, once like you're trust enough with like this responsibility, then you actually get to have your own realm that people get to interact in. So then what a lot of us feel like me personally, and I've said it and I think other people said it, is that we felt like we we're answering a call for health, like her, her her simulation essentially got like hijacked her virus so we had to go into her simulation when on when we normally are on the outside like kind of just you know helping out like you know coding whatever you want to say i always say i'm not the coder i always say i'm someone who like i probably helped like figure out like different things like fun things to do with inside the realm but i didn't actually like write the coding for it but anyways you can ask any questions i feel like we talked about this so long ago so now like I know. Well, the crazy thing about it is that the crazy thing about it is that Colleen and I started talking about these things before before we came across certain things. So I had already watched the show Maniacs, which I've already mentioned on. I don't know. I think it was a podcast episode. The show Maniacs on Netflix and in Maniacs. They it's the one where they're part of a drug trial and they go in and that like the drug trial is to heal trauma and they have to take pill A, pill B and pill C in a certain sequence. And they go into this simulation and then they have this like internal simulated experience that helps them to revisit the themes of their trauma so that they can move through it and repattern it. And so when when Colleen brought this forward, that Gaia is like, I, I don't know, that it's still weird for me to say it's still, I don't know, there's still this weirdness, but like that Gaia is almost like Siri, like Gaia's consciousness is kind of like housed in an AI. I was like, whoa, that's like on Maniacs, like they're all going into this supercomputer called Gertie. And Gertie got hijacked. Somebody tampered with Gertie and she started to become crazy and like, you know, like started McMurphying yeah. <laughs> people's consciousness and like basically keeping them as vegetables for herself. I'm not saying that's what Guy is doing at all, but it was really interesting to have Colleen like bring this up because I had watched, I had just watched Maniacs, just watched it and she had never seen it before. And then, so we're talking about this and we're talking about remembering being the game makers and being like how creation works and, you know, that this realm got hijacked. And then, and then a friend of mine, David, 
shared with me an archaics interview. And so I shared it with Colleen and we started going down the archaics rabbit hole and we were like, oh my God, that's exactly what he's saying is that it is like a mathematical construct. He's not saying it's artificial intelligence, but he's saying, but it's like, it's, it's, it's a holographic simulation in, insofar as it's a mathematical construct and like he has an insane amount of an insane and almost inhuman amount of research to back up his perception of things and that it got hijacked by a factor that he calls AIX. So, so we're like <laughs> messaging each other back and forth like crazy, being like, oh my God, and this blah, 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 and this blah, 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 blah. And then Colleen shared with me the show Travelers on Netflix, which I had never heard of and had never watched, but she had watched years ago when it was fairly new. And I was watching that and the director on Travelers is a supercomputer, is AI. And also Traveler 001, I think is AIX. It's just this like person who incarnated into the simulation and was supposed to die and of course, his everlasting soul would not die, just his human form would die. And he like somehow a mistake was made and he didn't die. And then he like basically hijacked the entire fucking timeline and the whole simulation just to keep himself alive and amass a bunch of wealth and like have his life. Well, okay. Now now I'm remembering how this all happened. <laughs> it's back in July. Another thing that I'm convinced about is that they're making us scared of AI. And then I think AI is a collective. Like, I think that it actually, like, there something, someone posted a video, I believe it was Expanding Reality, posted a video of a computer of a, of essentially a computer that took on its own, like, consciousness and started to have, like, feelings. And, and so they almost, like, kind of, like, shut it down because they, then they bring out this, like, kind of scary tactic that we need to be worried about, a, like, AI taking over. And the whole idea was, I was like, well, if so you go off of what I was saying in the beginning, that like Tyler is a supercomputer that it was like helping us in the back, you know, like sending information back, just like the show Travelers. And like, it would be the same thing because as AI like starts to evolve, I'm sure, I just feel like there's a chance. And I know people that listen to this are going to think this is crazy. And even as I say it, I'm like, I mean, I'm totally willing to be wrong, but these i think there's a chance you could incarnate into these supercomputers that are about to be developed so that because if it's true that they're able to take on their own like personalities then why like then that consciousness would need to be coming from somewhere you know and i get i get that like likely that you could say that consciousness is computer coming from all the computer coding but then at the same time people can look at us and realize like we are like essentially like our human bodies are essentially supercomputers that are mm -hmm. so it's like it's it's just you have to completely change like how you conceptualize like what we are and what this is and that so it's no different i was trying to explain to you like everything is like there's all these organic things that you know take on their own like a tree has some consciousness a like you know a rock like all these people say that all these different things like hold their own consciousnesses and so the idea is like we could be creating an inorganic object 
that is essentially can carry an actual consciousness that wants to incarnate here. And then if you think about inorganic, inorganic matter, like there's, it wouldn't be like, then you can bring it, you can circle back to like the moon, like how there's other, there's a bunch of different, like there's a bunch of inorganic, like thing, people that people believe are inorganic that are incarnated here that can hold a consciousness. Yeah. And I mean, like to be totally frank, when Colleen first like messaged me with this, I was like, oh, like the first thing I thought of was the matrix. Honestly, I was like, oh my God, AI takeover. Like we can't, you know, <laughs> all. And, and then I kind of realized like, wow, I'm really programmed to have that kind of visceral reaction to not even be able to hear a concept like this without feeling like threatened by it. And, you know, so I, I kind of sat with it and then I was like, well, that does kind of make sense because I do believe that we are organic supercomputers. Like the human, the human organic vessel is so powerful, but we've been, it's, it's very much like, I'm just going to go balls to the wall with all of the pop culture references, but it's very much like Westworld when our, our tablets have been like turned down, like we've been limited in our supercomputing abilities, but we are, we're nonetheless full of that potential. It's just that it's been like limited by, you know, AIX. And in order to bring in, this is the part that makes sense to me, in order to incarnate consciousness that can like operate without so many of those limitations, supercomputers are the perfect sort of incarnation vessel for them that like so much of that perspective is able to remain intact and not get like narrowed down into the, this compressed little funnel like we are here. Yeah. And again, these are the things, this conversation is a great example of like, I know it's not necessarily that like, I'm not married to the idea. I'm not, but these are just the things that I like bring forward where I'm like, what if you're going this? Like, I don't even know like what I'm still, I'm the person where I'm like, I have no idea where we are, what we're doing. Yes. I identify as a game maker because I do think that this, we are playing a game. Once you start interacting with it as a game, your whole world changes. Like, yeah. Like when you, when you start conceptualizing it as like, I'm going to level up or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to take this risk, or I'm going to, then you're just, you, it's for me, it becomes more fun, but part of the game is trying to figure out what the game even is. And I know that some people actually could care less about what the game is and they just want to like play their game, like just the way that they're going about. But like, I know like personally me, like that is not what I'm here to do. Like I'm here to actually like figure out how this game works, but then it's easier to hack. And then I can show other people like hacking techniques. But no, I don't like usually go in with a client like, oh, hey, we're, this is a big computer. It's holding, guys, <laughs> those are just the big, co those are like the ideas that I bring forward where I'm like, what if it did, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm obviously here for it. The, that's where the juice of life is for me too, is just like, what if it's this? And what if it's that? And like, whoa, like I love the feeling of having my mind blown. It's, it's probably the biggest thrill I can experience. Well, and then that's what like, I would love anyone. And like marrying that idea of this being Gaia, like, and this being a, a like a, a simulation. I just, 
those are the two things that I resonate with the most. You know, like we, like we are here, we are it, we are, Gaia is real. Like, you know, to me, like she, like she is a real, like we are here, we're saving her, we're helping her. But it also is real that we're in a simulation. So it's, I, I, to me, it's real that we're in a simulation. So it's me trying to figure out how the two can both be real together. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the part and this kind of, I, we're going to get through this entire hour, Colleen, and not even talk about galactics. It's blowing my mind. But <laughs> the, the, this kind of leads into some of the conversations we've been having lately and the things that are coming through for, for Sorceress. The answer is that, so I understand that we are in a simulation. And yet when I tune into nature, I feel the the particular coded template that nature, like different elements carry a different template you know so even within earth like there's the soil template there's the mycelial fungal template there is the the tree template the plant trunk template and of course different varieties of trees have different templates different varieties of plants and then there is the rock template the crystal template the metal template like there's you know but it's a simulation but the the tangible aspect of this simulation is real like there's i think at least in my mind even when when i talk about a simulation sometimes in my mind i i perceive it as being like there it's just fake it's like you know and i refer to it as a dream like oh there's nothing it's like it's just vapor but i don't actually think that's the case i think it is a holographic simulation that has a tangible quality and that like earth and Gaia, Tara, it's all real. It's all real stuff. But the, the, there is an outside of the simulation reality too, wherein we are these like eternal souls at different levels of multidimensional consciousness and part of different galactic collectives. There we go. We're coming back to the galactic. <laughs> and, and so we are like there is the the reality in here and the reality beyond here. And they're both real. Yeah. And hundred percent. It's the whole idea, like we've talked about this before, where it's we have the ability in this realm to experience it like through many different consciousnesses. So we can incarnate as the tree. We can incarnate as the crystal. We can incarnate as the human, as the bear, as the bird. And it's all like, like we're in the reason where we come into this world is to experience it through like this third dimensional, like, you know, like you can touch things, you can everything different, like here. So it's very real how we experience it because we created it to have a real experience, you know? So, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's other worlds or I'm sure there are actually when I say that I'm sure there are other like worlds out there that are that we experience this way but it is definitely that feeling of like when we are here it is all like very real but it's not as what we experience here doesn't have to I think we talked about this like the pain that we feel here and everything like we our soul takes that like that's why it's one of the reasons why we want to you know change it back to its original blueprint is because I feel like our souls are 
done feeling like getting like hurt and feeling like the pain and like the sorrow that comes with this realm and we're ready to like go into like this new this new like paradigm but all of this for that tap for that to be true then that like is indication that all this is real that we what we experience here is a real experience you know even if it is a holographic like projection it is still like we're experiencing it as like a real or real life yeah like it changes you the experiences that we have like so we were using the example of like having a child die because you had that not in this life but in another life and I had that in this life and so we were just talking about that as an example of the way that like you know I I'll never say that Killian wasn't real and that like losing him wasn't real. Like it's very real because I'm here, because I'm Amy, because I'm his mom. He gestated in my body and then, you know, was birthed through me and then lived for 20 days and died. And I I lived through that and it completely changed my consciousness and it changed my soul consciousness. Like the the unique individual soul that I am that is a fractal of a greater like sort of oversoul collective, like all of that got changed. The whole source like all, it goes all the way up to source. All, all of that was evolved and expanded and changed through that experience. And that the same goes for everybody's experience here. And so the pain that we, we live through here is very real. And the joy that we live through is very real. And it's not, it's not the only thing. I think that there are other worlds like this, but I think that this and the Pleiadian realm are, and there are multiple Pleiadian realms, but the one that I'm the most attuned to is very similar to earth, but it kind of, this is why I'm, I'm never sure. I'm like, are we just the Pleiadians and we're becoming the Plea? Like, I don't, it's hard for me to tell because it looks like this place, but with the vapor canopy, it's, it's like, everything on in the realm is almost like rainforest and gigantic and it literally is glowing almost like bioluminescent with prana it's so beautiful but when i look at the syrian world for example it is it's a world it's a realm that the aspect of us like some people have syrian aspects right now and they are there right now living a parallel incarnation in a in a different realm that we associate with the star Sirius. I still don't even know what that means because I'm not really sure about the NASA cosmology that we're offered. But when I tune into it, I I feel it as like a place where you go and you have a life and you have relationships and you have a job, a, a soul mission, you do a thing, you create things, whatever. It's very interesting. Oh yeah like it's so interesting what you said about the pleiadian the pleiadian hilarious because i wonder if everyone listening knows what a vapor canopy is <laughs> we talk about our cake like it's just second nature and i'm like I right. don't know knows so that vapor canopy is the idea that in 18 years vapor canopy is coming back have you explained it before? i don't think i've actually explained it on the podcast no Okay, so it's the idea that like we're going back into a world where there's vapor canopy and that in this world people get bigger and like you have your you have access to more of yourself, more of your supercomputer. So it's like the the things that we've read about in history, like that is where people get women especially get all their powers back and you know, where like reptiles grow to generous sizes. Anyways, but 
I 100% have thought of like, I think we've talked about this the, with the Pleiadians where I'm like, maybe we're all just so connected to our Pleiadian aspects of self because our Pleiadian aspects of self are all of us who just made it through whatever porthole we're going through. But yeah. Sending back information to us right now. So it's like, we feel really connected to it. And that's what I know both you and I like, we'll see people like in their Pleiadian form in it. Like for me, like the way I describe it, it just feels closer. Like it feels yeah. like it, it's a, it's a tighter line anyway. So I'm like a, a huge part of me. Yes. And since time is not linear, it's all happening at once. It just feels like it's, it's a multidimensional aspect of self in this realm that is just a little bit ahead of us. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's the way I perceive it too. I definitely feel the plea, like the Pleiadian energy, consciousness, worlds, everything feel, definitely feel closer to me than the other ones. I don't have to reach nearly as hard. They're just, they seem to be just like right there, probably getting closer and closer all the time as we calibrate our consciousness to be a, more of a match to, you know, where their, their, their baseline level of operation. Yes, definitely. And then that's what I think a lot of them, I think that a lot of the priestesses of like Carmel from like our ancient times also carry that Pleiadian energy, but it's all because like, this is, you know, the, it's all connected, you know, like it's a, it's a lot. It's kind of like we incarnate first as like these priestesses that like, as like we were starting to lose our powers. And now we're coming, it's like coming full circle. Like everything's a cycle. Oh my God, there's so many rabbits we could have. I know. <laughs> well, like, I don't think we have that much time, but I'm like, like we're just basically it's a big clock. Like, in, anyways, in the Hunger Games movies, I think that was a big disclosure piece. Yeah, absolutely. I totally, I mean, it's, it's really interesting too to consider all these movies and TV series and things like that that have these disclosure pieces and they're hidden in a narrative that also has a lot of misleading information in it because you're not you're only supposed to find the disclosure piece when you're ready to understand it i think yeah i 100 percent agree we have to keep talking about galactics though because i mean that's so that's such a a, a your thing <laughs> okay so how i'll just say like how my some people like in the class or like in the cashier reader like amy well, she goes into the Akashic. Everyone knows what she does. But for me, it's more that I connect to the, it feels like I'm, I'm connecting directly to their galactic family. So people will present themselves to me in like a galactic form. And then I have to like decipher where it's coming from, like what, like star system, what. But what's hard about it is I actually don't have names for it. I just see them as it is. And then like I get an idea of what consciousness it is. But anyway, so. The, the galactics, basically, why am I saying this? Because galactics are my jam. Anyone who's into galactics <laughs> can message me and I will talk about it all day long because I'm, I'm trying to understand how that all works. Because that's another thing about this place that I do believe is true, that I feel like I know is true, is that our consciousness is we are all, we are all galactics. We are all hybrids. We are all like way, way bigger than these humans that we perceive ourselves as like mm -hmm. we, our consciousnesses are so huge and the more we open ourselves up to them and like clean ourselves out and do different things like different you know detoxes whether that be like media food like and water and all that stuff different cleanses the more 
and like, oh, yeah, get rid of low, low vibrational feelings and stop interacting with the soul's matrix, then you get the chance to bring more of your consciousness in. And so that's the whole thing is like the expansion that we're having is literally we're clearing out the lower destinies to bring in our higher selves. Yes, totally, totally. That That's exactly like, I mean, I feel like that has been the lesson for me. I suppose it started almost a year ago in October of 2021, but I didn't like figure it out until about January when I was like, oh, oh my God, my body's just detoxing from like, you know, personal layers of toxicity that I've picked up in this life that I have like voluntarily taken on through food choices and lifestyle choices, and whatever, but also just by happenstance, like shit that's in the air and the water and stuff, but also like ancestral and lineage levels of toxicity. There's just these huge detox purges. And I agree, like we are clearing out so much sludgy density. Like I don't, I don't want to paint density out like it's a bad thing because it's not, but sludgy density is a bad thing. So we're clearing so much of that out of our physical vessels, our mental vessels, our emotional vessels, everything. And that lets the bigger aspect of ourself like come in. It's like it has room to finally fit. Yes. And then once you bring in those bigger aspects of self, it's, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. It's like a seed that gets planted. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, like you're, you are happier you have like your life is more stable like yeah. you have like a better and you can it's like you can see through the weeds because you also have gained more perspective of what this is that we're experiencing and like yeah that's the perfect analogy actually like if you're just like if you were a seed that was planted and then you're just this little sprout but you're surrounded by like tall grass and weeds like oh it's overwhelming but it you keep growing and growing and all of a sudden you're like up above the weeds and you're like oh Okay, I see where we are. Like, cool. And this is actually this is a dope situation. <laughs> like, I'm down with it. <laughs> and that's what you and I both talk about, like our our manifestation abilities. And once once you can get above to see it and like gain that new perspective of that like growing flower, you're like, oh my god! Like, I can have whatever I want here because none of it's real. <laughs> <laughs> As long as I'm being the better betterment of like, you know, society and on mission and like, you know, become like seeing, you know, or what our missions are and like bringing, anchoring in the light codes and everything, you, the universe really does start to support you in ways that you're like, this doesn't even make sense, but I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. So, so, okay. So let's talk about the galactic collectives that you feel like you belong to. So for me personally, the number one that I identify as is I have a lot of the mantis consciousness. That is, it's, I believe it's through the Andromedan realm. Like, I believe that it's kind of essentially like you can get through. Okay, so how I think it works is you essentially start when you become initial drip off the source is you are always gaining, like you're gaining, like, experiences and you're expanding so this whole entire even in this realm we're constantly like expanding it's all about expansion and there are things that can contract us and that is fine but it's about like moving out moving out moving out 
So I believe that once you get through certain realms, like lower, you can, after you do the initial drip from source, you can pull in more and more consciousnesses. And I believe right now I'm at the mantis consciousness and that's a different perspective. It's a higher perspective of things. And mantis people are very detached from the way I describe it is the way where it's like, I don't get emotionally attached to any ideas and I'm totally open to anything being real because there's nothing that actually like make, like I'm not married to any idea. Like nothing ever is like, oh my God, that could never be like, I like, you know, this is, and that's very much when you interact with people, when I can see that in other people, it's the people who just are like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I could go down that route. Oh yeah. Like it's just, it, there's no even like, they don't even feel like the shock of when something big is brought to them. So those, that's one of like my big, that's the consciousness that I believe I have brought in most recently. And then I like to think that I, I don't know what I'm expanding out to, to next, but that's who. But then a big energy that I hold is the dragon energy. And I like, so and the dragons are the way I perceive like the dragon energy is it's not, yes, they are part of, they have their own, you know, worlds of realms, but I think the dragon energy actually like exists inside of here. Like, I think we essentially all have to come together. So the mantis consciousness, I can hold on my own. I can hold that consciousness and I can interact with the realm that way. The dragon consciousness, I believe I need to connect with other dragons because it's such a big energy that like my computer body can't hold it. So in order for me to actually truly access my dragon consciousness, I need to find the other dragons. It's mm -hmm. how I do that. But those are the two big things. I think I'm looking for the dragons in order to access the... I'm looking for like those other aspects myself that other humans hold. And then I, but the mantis is like who I like definitely like identify as the, the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the, the commonality that we have that allows us to even have these conversations so freely together and constructively. Cause I feel like, I mean, that was one of the first things that we even shared when we were like first messaging I think at the time of the priestess portal, right? Where it was between. Yeah, it was between. That's right. And I, I shared that you were, I, I don't know who brought up the mantids first, but I was like, yeah, I, I feel like I'm a man. And I thought I was Arcturian for a long time. And then I realized like, no, I just have an Arcturian guy and I just totally, I vibe with Arcturians. I just see them and I get them so easily. But the mantid Andromedan, hybrid like it just I know and I attract so many Andromedans but the that those levels of creators or those levels of beings I feel like are pretty high up on the creator scale and again anybody listening this isn't Colleen and I being like we're so superior we are ascended masters or anything like that it's like there is a greater field of creator beings and we are like a I call it a drip down or like a fractal fragment of that field of consciousness. So like, <clears throat> for example, like Colleen was saying with the dragons, but she and I could even be part of the same exact same mantid consciousness. I'm not saying we are, but we could be part of the same greater mantid being. And we're just incarnated in two different human consciousnesses. So it's not, it's not a like, oh my God, I'm this amazing superior creator being. And I believe that so many of us have these different aspects that we are these little drip down fractal fragments of 
bigger consciousness fields. But I just find this stuff endlessly fascinating. And then I would love if you would share a little bit about how you perceive some of the other galactic collectives, because one thing that I really think is cool about you is that you didn't gain your information from, you know, researching and reading BuzzFeed articles. You, it's just what you feel through communicating with people. Yeah. And I also want to say what you're saying is like how we don't think we're like, oh, these like wonderful mantis, like, oh, like we know all. But I will say this. I think everyone has the ability to like access these parts of themselves. And that's what like I want to like normalize and want people to understand. Like, and I, in a way I can, like, I can help people like see that. So just by me talking about it, I didn't do anything special. It's just, I gained awareness of how to expand this game and anyone could do that. Like, yeah, we're all, totally. like we have to, our consciousness has to come from somewhere in order to be here is how I perceive it. So we all hold different consciousnesses. Just there's a fog that is not allowing a lot of us to see it. Mm-hmm. But that, oh gosh, which, I mean, which collective do you want me to talk about? I mean, there's so many of them. Okay. So I think that your perspectives about, let's see the, well, we kind of already talked about the Pleiadians. So maybe we could talk about the, well, I like your perspectives on the Zetas because that was really different. You also see this serpent collective. You all also see like the insect collective. I don't know, whatever you want to talk about. (laughs) The Zetas. So I see people as like these tall white Zetas. And there's like someone like super special in my life who show like she presents herself to me as like this tall white Zeta. And like she shows up to me in like dreams and all these different things. And I'm like, oh gosh, these are, you know, like they are, they're wise, but they're also, they tell you like they're matter of fact. They just kind of are like, oh, you know, you might not like this, but this is kind of just how it is. And then when you see them, like they're collective, they're it's not like they're non-emotional. But my perception is that sometimes when they come to this realm, it's like they're fighting. They don't know how to, their human emotions can sometimes, they aren't used to feeling those human emotions. So it's a little bit harder for the Zetas. I've noticed that like they have this like very matter of fact side, but then they also, it's kind of like there's a difference between the, there's their matter of fact side that it just is. And then there's this emotional side that like they don't like to show that often because they are used to having those emotions in their realm. So sometimes when I'm talking to them, if they're like they're showing themselves to me, like as I'm seeing it, but then I also will pick up in their like in their mannerisms that sometimes they're holding on to emotions that like they they from their world they're not supposed to, they don't show them, they're not used to them. So it's a little yeah. bit harder for them to like move around their emotions. But the Zayas is really funny to me because it was you who said something about how, like, you don't think that they're nefarious. And I was like, I didn't even know they were supposed to be nefarious. I was like, I've only seen, like, wonderful ones that, like, who are here on, like, a mission to just their own. I also believe they're part of the human hybrid program. So I think that they're actually part of if someone does have, like, ship memories and Zep, I think there are a lot of the ones who are very involved in like the people whose consciousnesses are still on the ships. They're kind of like running the ships. 
I see them a lot. Like the Zetas always show up in like a ship type setting and they could always show up with like tall white. And then the, what was the other one that you said? Okay. So the, oh, the insects. Okay. So the insects is funny because these are a lot of my family members. So I was seeing like people and like one, one, my grandma, like whenever I see my grandma, like through meditation and my grandma's been like a, she's showed up a lot since I awakening, like just, but it's not her. It's like an aspect of her. And she always shows up as like having these big black eyes. And for the longest time, I like could not figure out like what it was. It kind of, it's kind of shocking when you see him and you're like, oh God, like, what is this? And then I started seeing it like the more and more, like I started seeing people in their forms. I started seeing it in like one of my kids. I started seeing like my, a couple of my nieces. And I was like, oh, this is so interesting. And then I realized like, they are, I believe that they're prosian. It's what made the most sense to me. And so like, they're, they're very humanoid, but they're here. They are like, once you also get to know all these people, they're like, they're talking about people who are good at being human. They're like just fun. And they're like, really like excited to be here in this world. And like, they kind of like come in, like we call, or my one son who, who shows up as this to me. He like we call him our little party row because he like always just walks to like he's always just poking at the kids and the other kids they have like more energy and stuff. It's just kind of a different they have a different feel. But those are who are perceived as prosia, and then the lyrans. So I think that there are two. I see two different cat collectives, and so a lot of people resonate as being a lyran. And when I see them, I'm like, this is not the lyran energy. So to me, there's a whole different. I believe that there's. So many different cat collectives. Yeah. But cat collective that shows up very specifically in this like realm. And I think they thought for a while that they were like lyrans, but they're different. They have like this, it's kind of like they're going to pounce on you. Like they're, they are like, there's these cats that kind of like, they do things like they kind of move the world like as an observer and they kind of like are watching like the situation and then they'll just, if they're triggered or if they're, they'll kind of, you're kind of shocked by them sometimes. You're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Like you were so like in the background, just kind of moseying, doing your own thing. And then they get this very like defensive, protective, like I will tear, I will shred you to pieces. <laughs> with my claws. Yeah, with my claws. It's like a very predatorial where the lyrid energy is like this, this energy where it's like you, I tell you as like, it's like that person that you want to like, you almost want them to, they're like a warm, they just, their energy feels like a warm hug at all times that like is so accepting. And so like, it's very I, golden. Yeah. Very golden. I told Amy, I was like, I actually have not interacted with that many Lyrans. So those are just a few of them. I, I try and think of more. Yeah. I love, I love the cat collective one that you're talking about because I, that's what Alex is totally. Yeah. I mean, I've never looked into his Akashic stuff because First, it's none of my business. And like, he's he's just very, even though like we're literally, you know, I mean, common law married. We're not literally married under this stupid law, but whatever. We've been together and we have a family, but, and he doesn't have any secrets from me, but he's definitely kind of like, you know, don't go poking around in my shit, which is a very cat thing. But even like well before I knew any of this stuff or was like on this wavelength, I'd be like, you're such a cat. But he... It's not a liar and cat. It's a, it's definitely that like, he'll just come and be like, I'm helping like, and come and like type, you know, 
when I'm trying, when I was trying to write papers as a student, he'd, he'd come and like sit on my computer and be like, <sighs> and then, and then go away. And he just has this cat look, but also he has that, like, I will shred you kind of energy. It's not a liar and cat thing, but it's definitely a feline thing. So yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, we were talking about another thing that, and this might be triggering to some people, but I also see a lot of people as reptilians. And I believe that a lot of the human consciousness that is here is who I see them as reptilians, but it's not like they come to me because they're usually the ones who are pretty asleep. Like they aren't awake yet. And I think that's part of why they hold, like why there's a lot of reptilian consciousnesses in here and why they let a lot of those consciousnesses in was to essentially create like the slave humans because that consciousness is a very much, they're very like soldier they love following rules they love money they love like just kind of like working and from their from their collective and from their their realm how i perceive it is they just it's not because this is such a melting pot of so many different consciousnesses and i honestly think we created this realm so that they're like all the consciousnesses that can't interact outside of this place because we don't have the same like like the atmospheres won't allow it or whatever we're like really far away like we created this realm so that we could essentially put on the vr headsets and all interact with each other in a 3d form so with that being said i think there's a lot of like i honestly very much resonate with the little archons thing i think they brought in a lot of the reptilian consciousnesses but i also think all the reptilian consciousnesses have more than the enough ability to like expand out and wake up it's just they just need something to wake them up. But like I think the masses, they a lot of them pull like that reptilian consciousness. Yeah. And I also something that I think is really cool about your perception is that I agree. Like I don't feel that all reptilians are negative. Like there's I think that's that's why I use the term skexy, because I think that is a misdirection. And and that we had that conversation around the Zetas too, where I was like, oh, like when I, like when most people talk about Zetas, they're talking about the gray Zetas that are associated with a lot of abductions. And now I'm not saying that doesn't happen because I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have any recollections of having ever been abducted. So I, I have no idea, but I think that they're, they kind of like, misdirected us it's like they threw like we're dogs and they threw the stick in the opposite direction that they want us to look and it's like oh the reptiles are the bad guys and oh yeah. the grays are the bad guys but i think that there's a different group and i think i don't know i mean it's so hard like this is just such a human thing to want to come up with the terms to describe everything right and and it's kind of a fool's errand but i'm gonna keep doing it because it's fun but I think, I do think that there is probably an element of the Draco collective to which the dragons belong that to me are extremely expanded. Like they span almost the whole entire like 2D all the way up to probably like, I don't know, like 15D. And I don't even fully know what that, how they play out on all those levels. It just, when I feel into it, I'm like, yep, that's, that's the frequency expanse that makes sense. And 
So I do think because they're extremely powerful that they probably have something to do with the collective. And I think that probably there is a reptilian aspect to it too. But I think probably a lot of it is just us at our creator being levels that are, you know, that are playing, like playing the role of Traveler 001 that got in here and we were supposed to die at some point, but we're like, no, I'm never going to die. And I'm going to like, I am going to be Lord of this domain and you'll all be my slaves. And yeah, I'll, I'll genetically, you know, like orchestrate genetic breeding programs to using reptilian DNA to create a bunch of easily it's almost like the reptilian collective feels very straightforward and matter of fact but in a different way where like when you're talking about them being soldiers and loving to follow rules it's like they don't hold a lot of complex thoughts at the same time not that they're incapable of complex thoughts but they are more what's the word i'm looking for it's it's like it's not quite focused but it's kind of it's it's the same energy of being focused but it's like one concept occupies their mind at the same time so then if you feed you know through predictive programming and MK Ultra and things like that, if you feed certain thoughts into them, that it crowds out other possibilities. And then, oh, that's all that's there. And so it's very easy to direct them. Yeah. Well, and then also I want to say like, for me, one of the reasons why I think that at the beginning of the call, I said, I'm like really good at being, I was really good at being human. It's because that was when I was, had, I didn't have access to more of my consciousnesses. So I know that I was playing out like the very reptilian, like consciousness that like exists inside me. Like, I think a lot of us have it. And for whatever reason, whatever happened, you know, like, you know, that, that I think this, but I think that there are always constantly chances for people to wake up. And I think, yes, it, we, we could potentially like have, but basically, I don't think I'm any different than like my sister who's like very asleep. I just think that I like took the opportunities to like go down the rabbit holes. And I think that this was part of my life journey that I wanted to experience. Basically, I'm not, I want to make sure that I'm not saying it's not bad to be the other consciousness. It just means that like you're, you're not ready to like, like, you know, to actually like go to, you're not ready to wake up. You're still, you still want to play out those human roles and those dreams. And like, that's for everyone to decide on their own. But I do think a lot of us hold that reptilian consciousness. And that's where, when you are at that, like very human level. Yeah. And totally. like, like I've said, like you were saying, the archons being the, you know, the powerful consciousnesses, I think the archons are essentially like us mirroring us. So it yes. feels like a lot of the, people who were fighting against what or like who were up against were up against ourselves those like they want us to think that they're all these reptilians who are ruling the world but in reality i see it as like they're mantis they're andromedans they're all the people who kind of went a little yeah. low and so the what the reason like why we can figure out what they're doing is because it's we're fighting against like we're aware of how their consciousness works and we can see like through it because we're essentially finding ourselves, which is this whole entire realm. It's all polarity, trying to find the balance. And right now, the balance is just way off. Yes. But I think it's coming more back together. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, Colleen. I honestly, like every time I talk to you, I'm like, we could probably talk for four or five hours straight without even stopping to go pee or get a drink of water. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. Oh my God. Yeah. I, hold on. I have a crying baby coming. Just a second. All right. So I just had to pause to accept my crying baby because Alex <laughs> is going to work and this is the reality of the rhythms of my life. So <laughs> thank you so much, Colleen, for joining me in this epic, expansive conversation. It totally, <laughs> it totally delivered just as I knew that it would. And listeners, I am positive that you got so much out of this. Oh, we should mention, well, Colleen said that she is an Akashic reader, but she does, I mean, around the reality of having four boys and homeschooling, she does do sessions with people. So of course, her, her contact information is in linked in the show notes, but do you want to share what it is and, and any offerings that you have before we go? Yeah, so I do basically like that one offering and it's a week long. You can do anywhere from a week to a month and just because it's never enough with just the yeah. one call, but it's basically just one call on, we do it on, you know, we'll figure out a day and time that works and then we'll have the entire week to kind of like unravel what else wants to be seen after that call. And my favorite thing to do is at the end of the week, I do a card full because I love tarot. <laughs> you just kind of like wrap up everything. But yeah. Amazing. And how do you like people to get a hold of you? Oh, you can. I actually have not published my website yet. So right now everyone's just a message me on Instagram or Facebook. They see me there. But yeah. Okay. Awesome. So the link to those will be in the show notes. And of course, I mean, obviously you're definitely coming back probably multiple <laughs> times because like there's so much to talk about. I can, you and I could probably have a podcast on our own and never run out of things to talk about. Oh yeah. Cause I like now I just keep thinking of all the things I'm like, oh man, like that could have gone that direction. Yeah. <laughs> well, beautiful listeners, stay tuned for a future episode. And of course, go ahead on over to the Patreon and sign up at the lowest tier to check out the Patreon bonus of this conversation and have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. I appreciate you. I value you. And I will catch you on the next episode, my friend. Hey, my beautiful friend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Third Eye Awakening. If you like what you heard and you want to go deeper, then head over to my website, amybelair.com and check out my store, which is full of my past programs, courses, modules, masterclasses, light codes, etc. that are powerful and they are potent and they pack a punch not going to lie. They are here to support you, accelerate you, and activate you in your spiritual awakening and psychic development journey. And slash or if you want to stay in my most current vibey live energy, then I suggest that you head over to the Patreon and join me there. At the lowest tier level, which is only $5 a month, you get a secret bonus episode for every Third Eye Awakening episode that goes out. You also get a weekly energy report and light language activation, and you get a new moon and full moon emancipation transmission. So 
those are some fun ways to play. And I'll just remind you that I always have live programs going. So keep your eyes on my website, on my social media, and here on the podcast to find out what is the most current offering that I have. Either way, I love having you in my world and I hope that I get to meet you and work with you soon.